Yo, yo, what's going on, guys? This is Big Mike with the Unbiased Football Talk Podcast. Doing a little solo act today, so, hey, let's do it, man. Hey, let's let's talk about what happened this week, week two. Uh, there's a lot to unpack for this week. It's been some crazy games this past Sunday. Uh, you know, the ones that uh, I want to talk about is the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. Also, we had a shootout in Miami versus the the Ravens. Crazy game. Final score of that one was 42 to 38, so we'll talk about that a little bit more. And well, unfortunately, uh we're going to have to talk a little bit about the Raiders versus the Cardinals as well. Uh Raiders blow a 20-point lead on that one. And yeah, so we'll we'll get into that a little bit and <clears throat> we'll talk about the Monday night duds. We had a doubleheader on Monday night, and uh, it was exciting at the beginning, and it turned out to be a giant dud. So we'll discuss that a little bit, and to top it off, we'll talk about the Thursday night football game with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's start it off with the game. Uh, first one I mentioned, the uh, New York Jets versus the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Now, the Cleveland Browns were up 30-17 with a minute 55 left. Uh, Nick Chubb with a 12-yard touchdown, uh, which seemed to be wrapped up. The game seemed to be wrapped up at that point, but uh, the Jets got the ball. And Joe Flacco throws a 66-yard pass to Corey Davis to get him, up, get him down six points. They kick the onside kick, recover. And Joe Flacco delivers with another touchdown to rookie Garrett Wilson for a 15-yard pass to steal the game, 31 to 30. Wow, right? It's it, it was a, it was a pretty crazy game. Um, you know, let, let's let's talk about the Jets. You know, the the Jets are one of those teams that will sneak up on you at any given Sunday. They're a scrappy bunch. They're a young bunch, um, and they they have to to me what seems like. Uh, 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 a good mixture of uh, veteran leadership with Joe Flacco and a bunch of rookies who are hungry to play and prove themselves. Whenever you get that kind of situation, you'll see a lot of times that uh, that, that team will come in and upset you or, or, or give you a hard time in most cases or even get to the point where they make the playoffs when nobody's expecting it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Jets are going to make the playoffs. Um, I'm on records for, for being really big on the Jets this year. Um, I just think that they, they have all the pieces. They had a good draft. Um, and, and I think that they're going to be a pretty decent team um, for for the near future, next couple of years. I think this year is going to be one of those growing pains kind of kind of seasons where they went about seven games, seven, they go seven and ten, something like that, maybe eight at the most. But you know that was this this game was a sign of, of them being scrappy and not giving up they 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 hung in there and they they delivered an upset when they probably shouldn't have won this game now can we talk about Joe Flacco for a second he's kind of having a a pretty good farewell tour if you were to ask me so so far uh Joe Flacco well let's just talk about the game uh, on Sunday, he threw for 307 yards on 26 of 44 completions with four touchdowns. I say that's pretty impressive for a backup quarterback or for a quarterback that's on the back end of his career. 
He's doing well in the backup uh, role until Zach Wilson comes back and takes over that job. But, you know, give props to Joe Flacco. He's been he's been a true professional throughout his whole career. He had his he had his ups when he was with the, the, the Ravens and he he won a Super Bowl and then you know, he left there and he's been kind of a journeyman after that. And, you know, right now he's third in the league in 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 passing yards, 616 passing yards, which is third in the league, like I said, and throwing five touchdowns with one interception. So, you know, so far he's he's having a he's having a pretty solid season, I would say. Um in, in, in relief, right? Is this is this is not anything that we're gonna see throughout the whole season. Of course, he's gonna be benched again once uh, Zach Wilson comes back. But a hell of a farewell tour for Joe Flacco. Uh, it's good to see uh, like these kind of stories, and um, we'll we'll see how far uh, Joe Flacco can take these Jets until he gets benched. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. As far as the Cleveland Browns, they blew a big game. Um, uh, it seems like the running game is 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 pretty much their bread and butter. Jacoby Brissett did decently. He was 22 for 27, 229 yards and a touchdown. You know, pedestrian performance, but this is another backup quarterback just uh, kind of holding it down until the starter comes back. And um, I would say he did okay. Uh, Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 87 yards and three touchdowns. Impressive. This is what we're expecting from the Browns. Uh, a solid run game, a sound, bruising run game, a, a bruising defense um, that, that can come get you, um, come get the quarterback and make splash plays, um, cause turnovers, things like that. So this is uh, the Browns are not out by any means. They they, they gave up a, a pretty big lead, which is, you know, in most cases not going to happen ever again or not for a while. So, um, yeah, on, off to the you know next one at that point. So let's let's move on to the next game, guys. Uh, we got the shootout in Miami. I like to say it was a crazy game, right? the The Ravens were up twenty eight to seven at that game at some point, and they gave up the they gave up the lead, and Tua came out on fire. He threw for four hundred sixty nine yards, six touchdowns, and two interceptions, which is 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 unreal, right? the The final score of that game was. Uh, 42 to 38 and man I, i'll tell you that was a fun game to keep up with fantasy football wise especially if you had a guy like uh jalen waddle or or uh or tyreek hill or even Tua. if you were for some reason uh you you, you felt like Tua was gonna have a special game you were right on the money with that one those are the three guys that that uh killed it for most people in the league or uh, cause people to, to lose a game they probably shouldn't have lost because uh, both these receivers total for about 40 points each um, in uh, fantasy. So, yeah, that this, this game was wild. Uh, they come back from 21 down to win the game. Uh, Tua was just throwing the ball down the field to, to pretty much it – was, it, was it was the waddle and, 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 and Hill showed the whole fourth quarter and it was just fun to watch. Now, as far as the Dolphins go, as far as their offense, is, is, is it looking like that they have a, a dynamic top five offense in this league? Hey, you might be on to something with that one. I, I know that uh, before the season, we were talking about Coach McDaniel uh, having a solid offensive scheme, especially with the 49ers. He liked to use a running back by committee. 
Um, he didn't really have that star receiver. I mean, you can count Debo Samuel as being a, a star receiver, but he didn't have vertical threats like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle over in San Francisco. So we we were kind of expecting a, a a kind of a similar recipe, right? We, never in our wildest imaginations would we have thought that two was going to come out and, and and light up the scoreboard because, well, you know the. He just hasn't up to this point. Now, I'm going to give credit to Tyreek Hill for this one, man. Um, earlier this season, he was talking he was talking uh, big for his, his quarterback. He was saying that he's a lot more uh, accurate than, than Patrick Mahomes. You know, people laughed about it. Uh, I was kind of on the fence about it. I, I wanted to see what he was talking about. Anytime, you know, a, a receiver is going to say something about uh, – their quarterback in-house is not for us to laugh about it because we're not there so you know i was on the fence about the whole thing and you know so far he's proven right tua is leading the league with 739 passing yards and seven touchdowns both league leaders he is also throwing a 71.1 percent completion percentage and is second in the league with an 85.7 qbr hey if he can keep the, keep this up, he's going to make a Pro Bowl. He's going to be an All-Pro quarterback in this league, and it, it's it's looking good for him. Now, if you really want to talk about, uh, you know, that that one is a small sample size through two games, seventy-one percent completion percentage. Okay, small sample size, right? Let's dig deep further in his career, right? Um, so far, he's thrown sixty-six point eight percent completions in his career with a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. Maybe Tyreek Hill had something something going on, man. Maybe he was maybe he was on to something with that. You know, let's keep watching what Tua does this season and and maybe those those all those laughs will, will turn into straight faces at some point. I am already there if you were to ask me. So, um on the other side, we got Lamar Jackson, right? He had a great game. He went off for uh, 21 for 29, 318 yards, and three touchdowns. Not only that, he had nine carries for 119 yards and one rushing touchdown. Hey, I'm going to say this all season. Pay this man. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, you need to pay this man or he's walking. And I hope every day that this man does not get injured because that will not only mess up his quarterback market that'll not mess up his own market he's where the the, the ravens are hesitate to to pay him it'll probably franchise him at that point but also considering that the 2023 draft is full full quarterbacks that could possibly be your new franchise guy you know if you do you consider uh going moving on from lamar jackson and and kind of starting all over because of the injury situation so I'm really praying every day that this quarterback doesn't get hurt and he, he stays upright and he gets his he gets his money that he deserves because the performance he had yesterday or Sunday, I'm sorry, was just I mean, it's typical Lamar Jackson fashion. And and he's having another MVP esque type season so far up to this point. So you know the the defense for the Ravens they they gave up a big lead and uh, hey like I said with the Browns he's you know it's one game 
Uh, we're not going to panic. They shouldn't panic. Uh, nobody should panic. Uh, I'm sure they'll bounce back in the next game. So, uh, I've been kind of avoiding this one. Uh, we're going to talk about the next game. The Raiders and the Cardinals. The Raiders were up 20 to nothing at halftime on the Arizona Cardinals, up 23-7 to at the end of the third quarter just to give up the lead and the game in overtime with a scoop and score touchdown. 29 to 23 final score. What a heartbreaker for Raider Nation. Uh, you know, and and everybody in Raider Nation is talking about who do we blame? Everybody's pointing the finger. Where do we blame? You know, who's to blame? Who's the guy that should take the fall for this? Is it Derek Carr? Is it Josh McDaniels? Is it the defense? I'm going to say that it's just strictly on the offense of what's going on. I'm, you know what? I'm going to say it's probably about a 70-30 as far as what the offense goes. I mean, as far as what the, 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 where the blame goes in favor of the offense. Now, anytime that you're up 20-0, to zero, you still got to keep your foot on the gas. If you're one of those teams that want to be considered an elite team in this league, you blow that team out. We saw it with the Bills versus the Titans. The Bills went up big at halftime and didn't stop they 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 took care of business you didn't see him let up by any means the raiders had the opportunity to do so after halftime but instead they come out and with a poor offensive play calling by josh mcdaniels going three and out Derek carr not making the right reads um and 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 avoid and, and just completely neglecting the run game which is, is, is problematic because that's exactly what happened against the Chargers. So, um, you know, whenever you're up by that much, you, you got you to gotta feed your running backs. You got to trust that they're going to finish the game for you. They're going to finish the game strong. They're going to get the first down, move the chains like, like you expect them to do. So um, I'm going to put the blame on the offense. Um, another, another play that really sticks out to that one is when uh, Derek Carr drops back in overtime and totally misses a wide open Devontae Adams in the middle of the field. Um, you, you could say that it, Derek Carr was to blame for that one. Yeah, I would say it's partially right. Uh, you can also blame uh, Devontae Adams because uh, he, you know, he kind of did a, a route um, where he's supposed to kind of sit in between the zone and didn't sit in the zone. And, uh, you know, um, there was a miscommunication there. So, it's partially to blame for both of them on that one, and, and that catch would have uh, put them in field goal range and ended the game. Instead, we got uh, we got the the Raiders offense on a five wide set, throws it to in the flats to Hunter Renfro. He fumbles, and they scoop and score for the win. So, um, I'm gonna blame the offense on that. Now, the defense. The reason why I don't put too much blame on the defense is because as an offense, you have to give your defense some time to rest anytime that you're a three and out and and the defense is doing their job even though like they're not going three and out but there's the preventing teams from scoring or you know they give up a score which is okay right but if you're coming out on offense and doing another three and out what are you doing for that defense you're tiring them out they're out there for 10 to 12 plays they get about a squirt of gatorade and then they got to go back out there again so you, you, that is a bad recipe for a comeback, right? So, you know, that's why I say, you know, partially, yeah, the defense should have held tight and should have held their own. 
but they did enough to win this game, I would say. The offense didn't do enough in the second half to win this game. Now, if we go into the stats for this game, you know, I'm going to look quickly into the stats. Now, bear with me. I'm going to pull it up because, uh, yeah, don't like dead air, but here we go. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the score was 29 to 23 final overtime. Um, it was 23 to 7 at the end of the third. Uh, the Cardinals scored 16 in the fourth unanswered and uh, 22 unanswered in uh, fourth and overtime if you count those two together. Um, Kyler Murray, 31 for 49, 277 yards, a touchdown and interception. Not great numbers. You know, you ask me, that wasn't great numbers. Um, it, he got a bulk of those numbers in the second half in the fourth quarter. Uh, for the most part, the Raiders were holding down Kyler Murray. But you can't expect a defense to hold Kyler Murray for four quarters like that without the help of an offense. So, um, like I said, I'm not blaming the defense too much on this one. It's the offense who didn't get the job done and moved those chains when they needed to. Um Derek Carr, 25 for 39, 252 yards and two touchdowns. A typical Carr game, I would say. I mean, it's we, we need more from Derek Carr considering that there's so many weapons on this offense. You got Matt Hollins, who was the leading receiver on the team for this game, five catches, 66 yards. And you got, you got Devontae Adams on the team. You got Darren Waller on the team. You got Hunter Renfro on the team. You got about three running backs you can feed the ball to. And a guy like Mac Hollins, no offense, shouldn't be your leading receiver. So I think for the Raiders, it's back to the old drawing board. They're 0-2. Uh, they, they got a lot of work to do as far as the offense goes. And they're in a must-win situation. This is a team that a lot of people had high expectations for, and they're going uh, in the Tennessee, who is also 0-2, and they're hungry for a win as well. So, hey, this is going to be a, a, a must-win. You can't go 0-3 in the AFC. You can't go 0-3 in the NFL and expect to be successful. So, hey, it's gut check time for the Raiders, and you know, uh, congrats to the Arizona Cardinals for coming back in that game. So, moving on with that one, right? Let's talk about the Monday night football duds. So we had two great matchups on Monday night. We had the Titans and the Bills. It seemed like a pretty good matchup considering that the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. They have a great defense, even though they're, they're you know, riddled with injuries at this point. They still have a great defense. Um, and you got the Bills who they're on a, they're, they're on a uh, revenge tour. It seems to me that they're on a tear, uh, Josh Allen is playing like he he wants to win it all. He they they're coming out strong. Uh, their offense looks unstoppable. They never punt the ball. Their defense is just as dominant as their offense. It, they're a juggernaut. And what we got out of the, out of that game was a giant blowout. We got the Bills handling business on Monday night, forty-one to seven. Let's start with the let's start with the Bills here, man. They. they sh- they, they look unstoppable. Um, I watched this game closely. I saw that the Titans were playing a lot of man coverage. And the Bills just torched them underneath with drag routes and yards after the catch. They just took them apart. And, you know, to top it off, they got a, a, a pick six to kind of top off the win. Um, so it was just, it was a, it, it just looked bad. It looked bad for the Titans. And the Bills just looked dominant. The, uh, Josh Allen. 
26 for 38, 317 yards and four touchdowns. He's got to be your MVP favorite at this point. He was the favorite coming into the season, and he hasn't shown that he deserves to not be that number one at this point. Stephon Diggs. This guy is having a Offensive Player of the Year-esque season. He had 12 catches for 148 yards and three touchdowns. This guy is having a crazy season this year. And, you know, I, I would say that this is just the beginning for him. If you want to go put some money on Stephon Diggs for Offensive Player of the Year, go ahead and do it now. Because it, 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 it's looking good. And get it now before that price goes down. Before that, uh, the odds go down. Get your money's worth and get that bet in now because he looks like he's going to be the offensive player of the year. Now let's flip on the other side with the the, 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 the Tennessee Titans. Offensively, they look like they're in shambles. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, so far this season, they have uh, two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown in two games. And that goes to... Uh, Derrick Henry for a short yard touchdown at the beginning of the game. That was their only touchdown. And then the game before that against the Giants, they threw two touchdowns to their backup uh, running back. None of these receivers have any touchdowns in uh, so far. The yes, Traylon Burks is, is, is having a decent season as a rookie so far. He was the leading receiver. Four catches for 47 yards. He's doing his part. But besides Traylon Burks, who else do they have that you could say is a game breaker? You got, uh, you got uh, Robert Woods, who uh, is fresh off an ACL injury, and you really don't know what you're going to get from him at this point. Is he healthy? Does he still have that explosive speed as that we've seen in years prior? We don't know. And then you got a tight end, Austin Hooper, who he is far gone from the 2019 season when he went off with the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, it, you know he's kind of a mid-tier type of tight end. You can't really expect him to be a game-breaker. Um, they have some solid slot receivers, but they don't have any like stars or, or any guys that will really, you know, anybody to write home to sort of say. So, you know, in saying that you're looking at Ryan Tannehill. Is it time to move on from him? I mean, I said this from the beginning of the season. I think he was one of the most overrated quarterbacks in this league. He was rated over a quarterback like Derek Carr. Which, which I didn't understand. I'm not saying Derek Carr is some like world beater, but Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill at this point. And it showed in this game. Ryan Tannehill went 11 for 20 for 117 yards and two interceptions. And at the end of the game, oh yeah, and a pick six um, to top that off. And he got benched for Malik Willis in the, in the fourth quarter. Now, I would say that it's not time to, to start jumping on the Malik Willis train. It's still a little too early for that. Uh, Tannehill will get the start this week. I know a lot of people are, are like, oh, Malik Willis is out there. Maybe Tannehill's done. No, not, not yet. But I will say this. If against the Raiders, he has another one of these kind of games, he's going to the bench. It's, it's going to be over for Ryan Tannehill if he doesn't deliver in this game against the Raiders. Mark my words, this is his probably his last chance to get things together because this offense has been struggling all season. Even even Derrick Henry is, is it, like they figured him out so far. Now, I don't know if he's still dealing with the foot injury or, or whatever's going on, but 
you know, running game is pretty easy to figure out. You put some guys in the box. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you, you send more to the line of scrimmage do on a, on a run blitz. Uh, you bring a safety down and boom, you could stop Derrick Henry. Be, you know, you want to keep him lateral. You don't want him going downhill and running guys over. And that's exactly what teams have been doing the last three games. And I would say three games if you count the Cincinnati game in the playoffs because they shut down Derrick Henry as well. So I'm not saying Derrick Henry is, is washed by any means, but you know, I've said this time and time again. Ryan Tannehill depends heavily, heavily on the play action pass to be successful. And if you don't have a good running game, it's gonna be a struggle for that play action to be effective. And that's exactly what happened. He couldn't get the ball down the field. He was forcing the issue. And that's exactly what you want from a defense against a Titans offense is you want Ryan Tannehill to be making decisions and the Bills put them in that kind of situation. So, hey, watch watch that Titans and Raiders game. This might be the last time you see Ryan Tannehill as a starter. So let's move on to the next dud. We got the Philadelphia Eagles versus Ian's Minnesota Vikings. Skull, shout out to you, bro. Um, yeah, it, you know, we were expecting a heavyweight matchup here. Um, we, we, we had high hopes. We still do have high hopes for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I, I still think they're one of the better teams in the NFC, but they ran into a buzzsaw of a team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles won this game 24-7. Uh, the game wasn't as close as it sounds. Um, it was 24-7 at halftime, and that's what the game, how the game ended. Um, Jalen Hurts has, has had a remarkable season so far. Uh, he's in the race for the MVP this year. He's a dark horse candidate if he can keep this up. Um, if you want to put a little bit on that one, I would say go ahead and do so. He went 26 for 31, 333 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Highlighted by an amazing, amazing 26-yard run in the second quarter where he pretty much dragged a couple of defenders into the end zone with a minute 58 left in the second quarter to go up 21-7. Jalen Hurts looks like a completely different quarterback. Not only is he a running threat, but in this game, he showed that he can throw that ball as well. Now, you know, you when you have receivers like, when you have a receiver like A.J. Green, you're going to look a lot better. So, you know, and, and, and uh, Goddard as well at tight end. He has enough weapons to make it happen. And then that running game is something to not be messed with at this point. They, they, they got three or four guys that can go out there and tote the rock and, and run the clock and, and, and just damage you at any given play. The Eagles look dangerous. The, by far, I, I would say this is the, that's the most impressive team in the NFC right now. Um, and definitely by far the most impressive team in the uh, NFC East. They're likely going to win that division, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're the number one or two seed in in this division when it's all said and done. By the way, it looks so far. On the flip side, you got uh, you got the Minnesota Vikings, who looked great on offense against the Packers Week One, and they seem to struggle. They seem to be having some kind of uh, I don't know some kind of disconnect offensively with Kirk Cousins and the rest of his guys uh, in this in a in uh in this game. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't look like 
the Kirk Cousins from last week. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, man. Everybody's talking about what he does in primetime games, and it just keeps on happening. And it's so unfortunate because, you know, he's a good quarterback. He's one of, he's one of those quarterbacks that people like to sleep on. And every time they do see him, he's not doing well. So they're, you know, they're they're like, oh, so why is this guy still a quarterback? But they're not seeing the games on on you know on Sundays outside of market, you know, you know when they're not playing under the lights under national broadcast, and they don't see those games where he's tearing it up. And is uh, it's unfortunate that every time he's he's playing he you know in those type of games he just doesn't deliver <coughs> excuse me and you know it's, it's it's really unfortunate like i said um he couldn't find justin jefferson the whole game um the only touchdown was irv smith jr um he had a i would say this was kind of the game breaker he had a play where he had uh can't think of the receiver he had a, he was on a streak receiver was on a streak and they had uh, Justin Jefferson on the out route everybody jumped on the out route to Justin Jefferson leaving that receiver streaking down the field and he dropped the ball the game would have been uh, I think it would have been like 14 to, uh, a 14 14 tie instead <clears throat> they go three and out to me I think that was the the, the the turning point in that game if he catches that ball and he scores a touchdown we're, we're looking at something different there so you know, if I was a Minnesota Vikings fan, I would say, don't fret. This is not the same old Vikings. I don't believe that. Uh, you know, there's certain parts uh, of a game. There's certain plays in a game. There's where it the game flips based on what you do. And that play that I just said flipped the game completely. It, it took it, it deflated the, the the Vikings offense. It gave more momentum to the to the Eagles offense and the defense uh, seemed to be more vigilant at that point to, to stopping the pass and it, it showed so the Vikings go on and play the the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Lions actually look a lot better this year than years past but I think the Vikings will handle business um, on on Sunday and they'll get back to that 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 winning column so Vikings fans in don't panic this is going to be a great season for the Vikings. I feel that you guys are still uh, set to win this division. And, yeah, there you go. So, we talked about week two games. Let's talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. We got us a Thursday night football special on Amazon. Good old Amazon. Uh, a lot of people were having trouble with Amazon for whatever reason. My my, my streaming was fine. I don't know about yours, but I, I, I didn't have a, a bad experience at all. I do like Al Michaels and, and Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, on the broadcast booth, that was a great duo. A lot better than hearing Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I, I can't hear that, and that was tough to hear on the Monday night football game. But I digress. We got us a Thursday night football game versus with the Cleveland Browns, who was trying to come back and uh, redeem himself after that 14-point uh, uh, lead that they gave up with less than two minutes left, going against... The Pittsburgh Steelers fresh off a loss, a three-point loss to the New England Patriots. And so both teams are both one and one, and they're both, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're hungry to get that win. Um, this game is going to be uh, a bruiser of a game. 
I'm not going to say a slobber knocker. These are two average teams in the AFC. These are two teams that are going to be fighting for playoff positioning in the AFC. So even more so that this game that will be very important as far as, you know, the future of, of, of the playoff picture in the AFC. We might look back at this game and be like, hey, well, this one was the reason why so-and-so didn't make the playoffs because so-and-so didn't win this game. Uh, the opening line, we got the Cleveland Browns, a four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are at home, and the over-under is 38-and-a-half. Guys, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I think the Cleveland Browns, uh, they, 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 I think they've shown their best as far as offense goes. Um, they're pretty one-dimensional. Um, I think that the the Steelers defensively can stop that running game and it will force Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball. And you could kind of say the same thing about the Steelers. However, I think Mitch Trubisky is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. And I think he can overcome a lot more of what the Cleveland Browns can bring to him defensively. So in saying all that, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers the underdogs in this game will get this win. I'm going to pick them to win this game. I won't pick them on the money line. I won't pick them. Uh, it's a plus 175 money line. But I will say that I will play it safe and pick them to cover that four and a half point spread. So give me the Steelers plus 4.5. And like I said, this is going to be a bruiser type of game. This is going to be a back and forth type of game defensively. Um, they're going to go after each other defensively. Offensively, it's going to be a struggle for both teams. It's a 38 and a half. That's really low. Um, I will probably stay away from going over under on this one, but part of me wants to lean the over on this one, but just barely. I'm going like a 21-24 type of game. So if you want to, if you want to hear my advice on that one, go the over 38 and a half on this game and go with the Steelers to win this game. So guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, that's all I got. Um, uh, our next episode, we'll be talking about uh, the rest of the games. We'll probably do a recap of the Thursday night game and we'll have some predictions for you for the Friday. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not Friday, for the Sunday night games, uh, for the Sunday games as well as the Sunday night and the Monday night games. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, once again, I'm Big Mike. Thank you for listening and take care.